Zach Astor and Reese, huh? Oh well. Welcome to the 28th episode of The Swedish Winger. I'm your host Lars, as usual. And on today's episode I will predict the uh, Atlantic Division. And I think I might surprise a few, or shock a few, or a couple of you will think I'm mad. But bear with me. There's been a lot of action in the NHL since my last recording. Just a couple of days after my previous episode, the 27th, Mike Babcock was fired. A notion that no one really felt bad about. And I think everybody but Yarmo should have seen it coming. And um, I'm not going to dwell on it because it's kind of old news now. But good riddance to bad rubbish. We've had some um, exhibition games that are kind of hard to read anything into. Since, um, well, the roster's been quite shifting it's been um, anything from from a decent nhl roster to a quite poor one the the standout for me is simoni advinson who has been looking good uh, if you look at the team i think he should have a spot i mean quality wise i think the only ones that can compete on with with simoni advinson on the roster right now is naturally moritz sider and also jake wallman but quality-wise, I reckon that Simone Edvinson is our third best D-man overall. I think, sure, Gostis Bear might be uh, having an edge on him offensively. But defensively, we are, defensively I reckon that Simone Edvinson is his superior. But, and he's not bad offensively either. I'm looking at you know, the rest of the guys. I mean, we have um, Ben Sharot. Simon is better than him. He's better than Hole. He's better than Olimata. Uh, and I think he had a nice pairing with Jeff Petrie uh, in one of the games. Uh, I think it was the second to last game Detroit played where he was teamed up with Jeff Petrie. And I think they've been looking good. I reckon that with the signings we've done and how the roster looks right now, I wouldn't be too surprised if they uh, demote Simon Edmondson fairly shortly. I think the only one that still has a shot among the guys who haven't been demoted yet is Jonathan Berggren. And I was a little bit um, concerned when they signed Zach Aston Reese because I thought if if he is to be played in the Red Wings, it's the um, the winger spot that Jonathan Berggren would have hold, held uh, in his uh, in that case. But I reckon also that um, since they waived Zach Aston Reese to assign him to Grand Rapids, I think um, he'll be a injury replacement problem most probably. So um, we'll see where that in, ends up. Looking at the team now. Uh, I think we have a better team than we give it credit for. It's NHL quality uh, on basically every position. It might not be high NHL quality on every position. But we've been talking about the Atlantic Division as it's, uh, well, basically the the division of death or in in the World Cup you you usually talk about like the group of death. But there's some... uh, some glaring holes in our opposition so the more i look at it and it might be me over analyzing it naturally i think it's only one team that is completely out of it to start the season and um, i think that's the canadians every other team can actually make the playoffs in some way we'll see uh, i'll run it through why i rate them as i do but uh, the more i look at it i don't think the Red Wings are as far off as they might have felt just a month ago. 
because there are some some real issues on our opponents teams that needs to be discussed and quite thoroughly other players that have been uh, impressive i reckon daniel sprong has been looking as good as he did with the uh, seattle kraken and um, that's really reassuring because we traded a pick and dominic kubalik for the brinkat and then we got daniel sprong for free and he's by the looks of it actually a better player than kubalik but they both have that nose for goal so looking at it that way it was a, a huge win how iserman made that trade we improved so much with the debrinka trade and we still didn't lose anything from from dominic kubalik the problem is the pick which will be the lesser of the first rounders in the uh, in the draft next year and I would imagine that that might actually be the uh, the Boston pick. So looking at the Atlantic Division, I reckon, as it stands right now, there are seven teams that can actually make the playoffs. Because I don't think the Canadians have a shot. I don't think the Canadians have a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs. But looking at the other seven, I think the only team I'm actually 100% sure will make the playoffs are the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So that leaves um, six teams for three spots going into the playoffs. And yes, I know that um, the Boston Bruins are coming off a record season and Florida Panthers made it to the finals. But looking at Boston Bruins, if we start there, losing both centers in in Bergeron and Krejci, I think that it's going to hurt so much and yes they still have brad marchand and david pasternak and they still have one of the best goaltending duos in the league but they are gonna drop so many points that i'm not sure well i think they'll make the playoffs but i think it's gonna be very very close but if we if we go from from worst to uh first well first i'm gonna put Toronto Maple Leafs and last is the Canadians but just above the um, the Canadians I'm putting Florida Panthers as the seventh team in our division Matthew Kachuk has been injured a large part of this offseason I don't think he'll hit the ground running to say the least I don't trust their goalkeeping and if you li- listen to this you'll understand why I reckon they are way, way worse than so many are slotting them in for. Uvis Balinskis, Aaron Ekblad, Oliver ekman Larson, Casey Fitzgerald, Gustav Forsling, Dmitry Kulikov, Josh Mahura, Nico Mikola, Brandon Montour, and Mike Riley. That is an absolute shit decor. They have two good ones. I would say that Aaron Ekblad is a bit overrated. He's quite one-dimensional, and uh, while being good, he's not like a superstar D-man. And Gustav Forschling is also very solid, but he's also not like the flashy superstar kind of guy. This is a bad decor. They were bad last year, and they're not better now. And if 35-year-old Sergei Bobrovsky is not standing on his head, I think they might miss the playoffs. Well, I actually, I think they will miss the playoffs. I rate them as the seventh best team in this in this division because they're actually not that good. They are brutally underwhelming if you look at their roster and 
like think that people think that they they will end up being a a great team this season. I just can't see it. I really 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 can't. There's a couple of middling demon. I don't think they have a superstar uh, on D and with uh, Kachuk basically just coming off his injuries. I'm sorry but I I can't see them doing anything of value this season. I think they're going to flop miserably and I think that um I think that Paul Maurice might be the first coach that gets to boot in this division. It wouldn't surprise me the least actually. In the um, sixth position, I am putting the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And you might be screaming, what? And uh, I think they might actually be out of it by Thanksgiving. Because if you don't have Andre Vasilevsky and you think you can ride Jonas Johansson and Hugo Olnefeldt and whoever the third guy is all the way until Christmas and you don't have Andre Vasilevsky coming in. I'm sorry, but there's actually no way that, that that they make the playoffs in my book. I think they would need to trade for some proper goaltending that they can then unload when Vasilevsky comes back. And they would have to pay through the nose for that goalie. So I don't think they're hiring or getting a star. So why should they get one? at all yes they have immense quality in in that in the team but like i said from second to seventh i think this division is very open and i think the two florida teams will be the negative surprises this season i think they will fail miserably short of their goals because i reckon both of them think they belong in the playoffs and i'll think they i think they'll miss I don't think the margin will be that huge. I think this um, division will be very, very close. But this also means that there will be new teams in the playoffs coming from the Atlantic division. I think that's that's interesting. So for my fifth spot, I'm putting Detroit. I reckon the uh, the competition is just a little bit ahead of us. They are they are better in many ways um, overall. But I do think they're also a bit overrated. I think the the fact that we have the Brinket now ups our our uh, possibilities of of making the the playoffs. But that also means that the Brinket will need to have a bounce back season because he's had a downward trajectory for a little while, not many seasons. But he's he hasn't been that that fantastic as he was with the Blackhawks when Kane was serving him for was it two or three seasons but I think at fifth I put the Detroit Red Wings we have a team that is evenly distributed talent wise we have a really good first line if we want to second and third will be basically even and the fourth line I have well it won't be a bad fourth line but I don't know how much they will contribute either so for fourth I'm putting the uh, the Senators, I just think they're marginally better than us right now. And it's not going to be by many points. They beat us maybe once, one or two. So for third, I have the Boston Bruins. But I was like fighting with myself with with Boston or or Tampa making the playoffs. And for some reason, I got stuck on that, that Boston has so much quality defensively and in goal. 
that they can like make up for the offense they will lack this season but i think tampa bay will not be able to absorb the fact that they don't have one of the world's best goalies and actually putting in guys who have the worst stats over the last couple of years well Hugo Olnefelt is young so he's not one of them but Jonas Johansson his stats are horrible Uh, we'll see where that ends up I hope he makes it well I don't really it would be interesting if Tampa falls out but all in all it's it's really hard to like drop Boston all the way down to to like fifth or sixth so I put him third but I really really can't decide which team I like the least between Tampa and Boston. With Tampa's injuries and Boston being like the the quintessential donut team, they have absolutely nothing in the middle. It's all air. It's um, Pavel Sakas, your first-line center? No. Who else? Charlie Coyle? No. Can you trade for a first-line center? Sure. With what? Who's leaving? I really can't see this team coming even close to making all the points that they did last year. I think they'll hobble into the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round. But I do have them third. So I'm really arguing against myself. Second in this division, I have the Buffalo Sabres. And yes, I can hear you all the way from the States saying, Lars, you're an idiot. But I think this is the season that they actually break through. This will be their, like, coming onto the stage as a true, solid team that can actually contend. Because... If you really look at their team, they have very few weaknesses and, um, well, possibly in goal. But if you look at, like, Devon Levi and Okopeka Lukonen, they they have a better goalie tandem than than a lot of teams in this division. It's not as bad as you might think. It's no, no longer like Anderson and Eric Comrie. This is way more interesting, so... I actually have Buffalo second with the Toronto being first. But like I said, from second to seventh, it's going to be very close and interchangeable. I think psychology will matter a lot. If if a team starts losing and they lose faith in their own like system and process, I think we might see some team fall, fall off quite poorly. But uh, I think that this, this Atlantic division is way more open than many of us think. I think we'll see a whole lot of eyebrows raised when we look at this come Christmas. And I really think that with a back surgery that Vasilevsky had, even if he's back by Christmas, is he 100% Andrei Vasilevsky or is he like 80% Andrei Vasilevsky? And if they're out of the uh, the race by Christmas or it's going to take a miracle for him to, to like make the playoffs by Christmas, do they put Vasilevsky in if he's not absolutely 100%. Do they put in a 99% Andrei Vasilevsky if the season is a wash? I'm not that sure. I mean, this is a team that has sat injured superstars before and hoped for the next season. So I'm not entirely sure what we have in the Tampa Bay Lightning and also with the sort of controversy surrounding Steven Stamkos not getting a contract. Tampa Bay is an absolute wild card in, in this division. And I think the Boston Bruins are the same. Not having decent centers, while the rest of the team is sort of good. At least the first two lines, the wingers in the first two lines, are are awesome. And the same with the, the defensive pairings. Like, the first pairing is really good, but then 
it's just kind of a sharp drop off, drop off in quality. Quite similar to what Detroit could have. It's hard. I struggle mightily with rating this division. But if you if I run it through from top to bottom, I have Toronto, Buffalo, Boston, Ottawa, Detroit Red Wings, Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida, and Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that's it, right? And I really think it's going to be mayhem. It will be absolutely bonkers in this this division this year. So after a lot of um, going back and forth, that is my final prediction for this season. I'm looking forward to being dead wrong and Detroit actually making the playoffs. But uh, yeah, we'll see actually. It's going to be an interesting season. I think we've been so stuck in that uh, the top four is so set that... Um, I think we've been ignoring the struggles of our competitors. I think um, they're in for a worse year than they might have had in in years. It's not looking great for them. And and, uh, we are, like Detroit Red Wings are, um, since we have so many new faces coming in, I think we might struggle a little out of the gate. But as soon as they start rolling, I think um, we might actually surprise by being like we have that really good first line and then three lines that will be hard to play against they might not score all of the lines but they will not be like an easy out or a line where you like you put your best guys in and you're sure they'll score because i'm i think there will be difficulties penetrating the uh the five-man defense that detroit will play so that's that so concerning like our roster i think it's starting to look good and i think like strategy wise there's either you think that you put some young guys to learn while in the nhl and i think Jonathan Bergen is like the perfect guy for that kind of situation i think he should play in the nhl i do think simone edvinson is also that kind of player but since we have that many competent well they're not all competent are they but decent uh, NHL demon. I think that it might be prudent to let Simon Edmondson start in Grand Rapids and work his way in and really show that he he's too good for the AHL. And Monsieur Adeblom, I just don't think they'll make room for him. And I, in in that case, he, if he's like, if you put him on the team to play fourth line minutes, and I have said this before, if you want to utilize. Elmer Bloom properly and get max out of what he offers your team. You do not play him as a fourth liner. He's not that grinding kind of guy. But I reckon if you put him on on Grand Rapids on a first line with uh, some decent players, he'll produce for you and he'll grow into the role that you actually want him playing in the NHL. So why not put Lord Elmer in the AHL if you're not gonna play him like in the top three anywhere in the top three lines so I'm fine with it but at the same time it bothers me that we have like barely competent forwards that will play in the NHL but if you're playing the long game I can see it being like the better the better strategy even though it's kind of annoying as a fan but we don't have the responsibilities that the front office has either. So I can live with Elmer in the AHL. So I reckon Jonathan Bergner will be the only the only guy who sticks out of the young guys. And I think we'll see... Well, Casper is sent to the AHL already. 
I think Nate Danielson will be sent to the WHL. And we'll see Simone Edvinsson and Monsieur de Blom in the, the AHL along with a lot of other guys. The thing that bothers me the most right now is that we signed some of these um, older D-men to quite long contracts. The uh, the contract with um, Ghost Despair is the only short one, I think, and that's a one-year deal. And um, if you look at, like, Fed Charot, oh, 4.75 to 25.26. We have Justin Hall for 3.4, 25.26. Holy Mata, 3 million, 24.25. Jeff P3... 2.3 million, 24.25, and he'll be 37 by then. Moritz Eider will need a new contract soon, well, um, after this season. And then Jake Wallman, 25.26. So we don't have any D-man signed beyond 25.26. And Shane Gostespierre will be probably be gone by trade deadline this season. So there will be m- moves made to make room for Simon Edmondson if he actually kicks the door into play in in the nhl but it's also kind of annoying that not only do they have like a roadblock for for edmison when he passed one roadblock there's another put before him and um, like i said i reckon he is the third best d-man in the team right now while shane might be the the better offensive player and you might say that some of the guys might be a little bit better defensively, but Ben Charlotte and Justin Hall are not those guys. So I don't know. If I was Simon Edinson, I would, would be frustrated. But I'm not, and he's a pro, and I'm not. So I reckon it'll it'll come out in the best way possible for, for the team and him. But I just he's good enough to play in the NHL. Is the NHL a development, developmental league? No. It isn't. But there comes a point where the the challenge of playing in the lesser league does not de- develop you further. And you need to come to the, the top league to like get the last like the last edges smoothed out. And you, you must play good players to see what you need to improve. And I don't know if, if playing in the AHL is enough for Simon Edmondson any longer. I don't know if it's enough for Albert Johansson either to be fair but he's totally different kind of of player so that's another the, another roadblock put ahead of a young guy because if Simon Edmondson is the guy who we reckon should be the first guy up Albert Johansson would be the second and William Alinder the third I guess William Alinder is doing his first season in the uh, in North America so I don't think he'll play in the NHL unless there's like the worst injury streak of injury streaks but I'm just worried that we are holding on to old farts who are just holding positions until we're good rather than giving the young guys a shot before they give up the NHL dream and goes home and I've said this before Playing in the AHL for a long time is nothing that Swedes with any type of talent generally do. They go home and they are stars in the SHL and or the Swiss League. They usually don't play like three, four seasons in the AHL. They just don't because they don't reckon it's worth it. They know what they have at home and they have family and friends at home. So if you reckon like, well, you can cut your losses and say that, well, if they don't want to be here, then maybe they should go home. But that's also burning assets for nothing. And I think that's that's bad. And I don't really think that's anything that 
that this organization will or wants to do but it's a dangerous route if you don't let them like at least taste the top league and it worries me not much but a little and i think that they deserve at least a taste of the nhl this year but that's going to be hard with all these old guys ahead of them in the pecking order if that's the way it is i'm not sure that they are ahead of them in the pecking order i've i said that before and i tweeted it before that if a guy a young guy actually shows that they should be in the nhl they will make room but that was also before they signed everybody and their brother above the age of 27 or something or even older to fill the d core so I find it a bit weird. Strategy-wise, it's kind of strange. I hope the Grand Rapids Griffins will be the better for it with the new coach and and the veterans that are there who have, like, a high quality. And then you add, like, proper hot prospect talent for the, the Griffins. I think they should make a dent in the AHL, going from being quite crap to actually competing. And that it might actually take one of these old guys to come come to the AHL and, and show them in the AHL how to play proper D. And I'm not talking about like Albert Johansson and Simon Edmondson and Vinnie because I think they they know they just need to get used to the North American style. I think Simon Edmondson already is and I think Albert Johansson is. But um, at some point we have to trust the kids and what we are actually doing is not showing me that they trust the kids. I think this will be a season when I think they've ide- identified the same thing that, that many of us have, that the Atlantic Division is quite open this year. And that's why they filled up with hungry vets with a um, ship on their shoulder, so to speak. I was a bit late in asking for questions for this episode because... It was kind of like 50-50 if I would make the time to, to record an episode. I know I've said before that I'm trying to like be a better podcaster in terms of being more frequent. But, um, well, time restraints and other stuff makes it hard to be like more frequent with it. But I'm, I'm going to try to like at least get one episode every other week rather than once a month. But uh, I did get one question. Let's see if I can find it from Ben Finn, um, the K maker on on Twitter. I'm not gonna call it X. It's Twitter. How many more Swedes do the Griffins need to qualify to play in the SHL, and how would they do? Well, we could start by claiming Axel Jonsson Fjällby, who's on waivers from Winnipeg Jets, and that would make us an SHL team, and we would finish top four. Well, they would, the Griffins. Axel Jonsson Fjällby should be claimed by Detroit, anyways. So, and then we could send Christian Fisher to the other realm. And I did actually miss a question from um, recording in August from Craig, Red Wing Craig. What's your honest assessment of Lalonde last season? How do you measure a coach's impact on a team that's naturally improving? I have to think it's a job you keep until you blow it. I liked how he managed the team and it his honesty with the media doesn't read direct many questions no he's quite honest i i like lalon as a person in in interviews i don't know him but he he seem, he seems genuine to me and um how do i assess i think the team kind of struggle struggled in the beginning to like adapt to what he wanted them to do after all these years with babcock and um lash hills i will bore you to death ice hockey but i reckon they they started to get it around um around christmas 
just to peter off at the end of the season. By the time they um, fell out of contention for the playoffs, I think they kind of lost their spark a little. And like he's like Craig said, it's a job you keep until you blow it. Yeah, I agree. But I also think that looking at the team this year, I think we have all rights to demand an improvement from both the coaching staff and the team because there's no way they can say now that they are a weaker team with so many kids because they don't let the kids play so um, these are NHL players with an NHL resume so um, it's uh, kind of um, well it's an important season to see where we're going if and if Lalonde is the guy to take us there I don't think he is on a hot seat by any stretch of the imagination I think he has possibly four or five seasons to get everything in order but after four or five seasons this team also has to be firmly in the playoffs and I think we'll we'll actually see a team that is vastly improved I mean just look at Nate Danielson in these games we've seen him he is pretty much a Larkin 2.0 he might not have the speed but he's not slow combine that with having Axel Sandin Palika being so very very good in the shl right now he's ridiculously good and he has found his spot on the power play where he's pretty much automatic for a goal if he gets it well if he gets the pass there and um we'll see uh, there's a couple of other prospects that i think are interesting antonio wasson has been he's improved so much from last season if he can keep like a tra- trajectory like that he could be an NHL or at least so and then Mazer is so irritating that he got injured and so frustrating for him I can imagine because he's a guy where you could see that he had the qualities to like push for a spot as er- as soon as this season possibly and then he goes and gets injured so frustrating but with Lalonde's system like firmly in place and the prospects we actually have if they overperform even in the slightest from what we know and have seen right now I think like Marco Casper will be a very useful player he w- might not be a, like a superstar but we've heard so many times that you might not win the cup with the Larkin as your first line center but if you have three if, if you ponder a future where you have Larkin as your first line center Nate Danielson as your second line center and Marco Casper as your third line center that's insane. And if you then add like a first pairing of Moritz Seider and Simone Advinson, and then you put William Valinder and uh, Albert Johansson as your second pairing, I don't care what the third pairing is because they won't play. I think we have a really, really bright future, but I also think that this season will show a lot of where we're going and it will teach the young guys a lot on what's what the demands are for having a a successful season so it's going to be interesting i'm looking forward to this season with more more of a positive outlook than i usually do because i'm a pessimist at heart but um, even though it annoys me that the kids won't play or the kids can't play or the kids don't have room i like our team and I like the coach, and I like the general manager, so what's not to like? The only fear I have is that they'll burn out the the kids, and, and like the Swedes might not be up for two, three, four years in the, the AHL. I mean, if you look at Gustav 
Nyqvist, one of the reasons he stuck along so along one of the reasons he stuck around for so long as he did in the the era of over ripening is that he was already studying in the states he was i think he has a unless i'm misremembering he has a, a north american girlfriend so probably his wife now but back then not sure don't take my word for it you shouldn't take my word for anything really but still the overripening of prospects in the AHL, I don't think that'll work for Swedes anymore, and I think they'll rather go home. But that's the only fear I have right now, and I, I'm quite sure that fear is unfounded anyway. So that's what I had for this episode. A lot of rambling, but um, until next time, and hopefully that's sooner than it usually is. I need to do, like burn my hours on Buzzfeed. I'm paying for nothing right now, so um, I'll catch you around. Let's go Red Wings.